Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Bendy back with you guys tonight, joined by Marty Party and um, the Doom Doctor. Uh, for those yes. that are not watching on YouTube, what, Doom Doctor, who are you? I am the Doom Doctor. Doom Don't Doctor, you're, you're very scary. Well, I listened to the show and I thought, you might need an upgrade. <laughs> so I murdered <laughs> Elsie. an upgrade? I murdered him. He would not see reason. So I murdered him, and now I am taking his spot. <laughs> oh, that's oh, the Doom Doctor is an evil person. one. It's a Halloween edition. <laughs> Halloween edition here at Triple Play. Uh, Doc is going to join us in a couple minutes here as we get live. But we have our special guest here tonight, one of our favorites, if you've been listening to the show for a long time. Of course, we welcome in a man. He's the proud dad of... Ellie and Jack. He's a writer of fan tracks, nine inning know it all, and newly podcast co host of the Fantasy Baseball Beat presented by Triple Play Fantasy. He's a sandwich connoisseur. He's got the, the best salt and pepper beard in the business. The White Sox fan that I, I just feel his pain every single time he tweets out White Sox stuff. And I'm a, I'm a Twins fan, so I, I shouldn't understand his pain, but I do. It is Dr. Mike Carter. What's up, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, man. Good. Glad Pleasure to, to be back on, on with you guys. Thanks for the great introduction, as always. It makes me feel like I'm worth $10 instead of $1. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have three doctors on. We're going to have Doc, we're going to have Doom Doctor, and then Mr. Oh. D- Mr. DRC. Like, <laughs> Worst keep... Twitter handle of all time. Are you ever going to change it, or are you going to keep it as You know, it's funny. I've had people ask me about that, and now people, some people say, well, it's sort of like your calling card now, because it's so ridiculous. I had no idea what I was doing when I made it. I'd been on it like five years. I had no idea how to make a good Twitter handle. I I don't know. What do you guys think? Should I change it? I remember um, first meeting you a few years ago. We were doing some kind of like baseball trivia. It was hosted by like... um, uh, Matt Williams. Yes. And, um, you remember that? Yeah. I do. And everyone referred to you as the doctor and it's stuck ever since. And that's like, that's how I first met you. So I think it, I think, uh, the, the Twitter handle does what it's supposed to. It made you stand out and now it's part of you. No. Okay. That's good. Thanks, Marty. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is your calling card. I, if you ever turn into like Roto Doctor or I guess there's yeah. that already exists. <laughs> I'm sure that's already out there. There's yeah. Too many doctors in the space. What's going on here? I think uh, was it Zach Waxman had it. It was like Roto Doc or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, Doc, uh, the other Doc will be with us later on tonight as we break down our next episode in the series of our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball series. We're talking about the AL Central tonight. Of course, we had to get our AL Central guy, Doc Carter, who is a White Sox fan. You could say, unfortunately, fortunately, I guess depends on the day. Wait, as a Tigers fan, I'm not feeling bad for White Sox fans. Their team's stacked. Things just didn't work out. Like, my team's trash, and it's not working out. <laughs> you know? So, I don't feel bad for you. I just don't. I don't I don't generally spend a lot of time feeling bad for myself either, Marty. <laughs> um, 
I, I, if you had to watch it in person, though, you probably would have felt bad for me because here's the thing: <laughs> yeah. I have to explain all that crap to a twelve year old. Oh, the Jack, yeah, you know, and he's like, "Hey, how come that guy isn't running to first base?" I'd have to be on the bench soft tissue like that. I go, he's got a soft, he's got a soft tissue injury. That's when, see, you're a doctor. You have to put your doctor yeah, hat on. You break it down what soft tissue means. And what do you mean know. he's got a soft tissue injury? My my <laughs> my whole life is a soft tissue injury. You know. <laughs> Well, Doc, you coached up a championship team this year. Now, does Jack see the White Sox and then it just is starting to translate the bad vibes from the major league team to what you've been able to accomplish at the, was it the 12-year-old level? Yeah, right? 11 and 12-year-old. So it was really a remarkable group of kids and families. We were really, really lucky. We were uh, we got together a really good group of kids. We ran the table. We didn't lose a game. And which is unheard of. And nobody in our league has ever done that before. And it's been around since 1956. So that was pretty cool. But we had, we had a lot of really good players and a lot of good, good things going on. We did use the White Sox as an example of what not to do. There we go. So, you know, when there's a ball to the outfield, don't start jogging home. Go back to third base and tag up, boys. You know, that it was, the fundamental things they did, they did pretty well being, and they were aggressive. I just, I, I can't say enough about the group of kids that they were, they were just phenomenal boys. Um, they did everything we asked them to do. Uh, we had a couple of kids on our team that were travel kids, but the rest were just like average dudes like Jack, you know, and they just kicked ass all year. It was great. The last game we won by one run and we were super lucky to get out of it, but we did. And it was, a testament to their preparation and the way that they go about doing stuff, which was great. It was really fun. That being said, I'm glad it's over because I'm old now and it's getting cold here. And uh, uh, I was starting to get to a point where I was like, okay, we can, you know, maybe we can lose and be done. And I just kept going, you know? So it was a blast. We have a team party is next Sunday, not this Sunday, because I'll be in Arizona with you clowns. And uh, and, uh, next Sunday, the beard will be, Going bye bye. That That's was what I was going to ask. I, yeah. I remember you talking about that in the fantasy made baseball. The, beat. Made the promise to the boys that they asked okay. early on. They said, "What do we get if we win?" I said, "I don't know. What do you want?" And they said, "Well, we want to shave off your beard." They wanted to shave my head, but I'm terrified my hair won't grow back. <laughs> and at my age, and the problem is, is that when my hair is bald, I look like Darth Vader without the mask. You know, there's big <laughs> red blotches and scars on top of my head and everything. It's a pretty ugly look. So we'll see. But thank you guys for the shout out. That was really cool. Yeah, the, it was a really it was a really fun season. Well, led by a great coach, and honestly, I need to. Are you going to put up a picture of the beard, like when it's shaved off, or is that going to be something oh, yeah. we'll never see? You will. Oh, okay. big time. And the thing is, my wife says, you know, it'll be you'll shave it at four. It'll be back by like eight. <laughs> you know, I grow hair there. I can't grow hair on the top of my head, but I can grow it out of my ears. I can grow it on my back. <laughs> I can grow it on my face. You know. So what are you going to do? All right, well, let's let's transition from hair to a hairy situation in the AL Central because there are a lot of teams here that are just kind of all over the place. And, Doc, like we mentioned, you're a huge White Sox fan, and we're going to talk about three dynasty players from every team. We talked about last week saying the context being they have to have some major league time. So, you know, we have a prospect show here, if you guys haven't checked it out, called The Call-Up, and that's where we dive into all the different prospects. So we're going to keep it to players that have major league experience Give me one of your dynasty players that you're very much interested in, you know, holding on to or trying to sell at peak value. Just a very interesting player to talk about from the White Sox. Yeah, you know, the, the Sox did have, I, Mar- Marty said it really nicely before. I mean, I, I think that they ran across uh, a string of bad luck, terrible managing, uh, obviously. Um, 
They did name a new manager today, Pedro Pedro Griffal, who was the bench coach in Kansas City for a number of years, um, who was Salvador Perez's guru, um, a guy who's really into analytics. I, I expect that that's going to be a positive change for them. Um, and that being said, the White Sox do have a bevy of young guys, you know, 25 and younger, that are primed to be uh, big-time fantasy producers for the next coming years. And I, I think the guy that really jumps out at me uh, initially right off of the bat is Eloy Jimenez. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he only played 84 games this year uh, due to the hamstring and the soft tissue injuries, as we were just talking about. Um, he does have sort of an injury-prone tag on him. I mean, the year before, this is the same idiot who uh, jumped over a fence for a home run ball in spring training that he was like 10 feet away from and tore his peck and, and missed five months of the season. So um, I think the big thing that's going to happen with Eloy is that I, I think that they're going to take him out of left field. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's playing left field with roller skates on. Uh, he just, I mean, he just cannot play the outfield. So I'm guessing he's going to move to the DH position. That, that being said, I think you've got a guy here that has a serious 30 home run, 40 home run potential if he's healthy. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I would ask people that are in dynasty to be patient with him. I think he might come at a bit of a discount because he's got that injury prone label. And if you have somebody that's impatient and is looking to move him for something else, you might be able to luck into a top 10 outfielder. Um, he's not going to help you with speed. Um, he is probably a 300 hitter, though. Um, mm-hmm. He'll be 26 this month. And one of the things that I found about Eli that was really fascinating was he was terrible in the first half. And in the second half, he really, really got going as the Sox kind of – they never really got in gear, right? But his WRC plus was 144 in the second half of the season. It was the third highest in baseball over that span of time. And so I think Eloy is the type of guy that I would be looking to buy, uh, especially if you have somebody who's really grown and patient with him, which you do see happen um, with guys like Eloy. You know, people keep waiting for him to to crack through, and he's not playing a lot of games. But even that being said, you know, it, he only played in half the season, 16 home runs, 54 RBIs, 295. And I mm-hmm. know that you can't really extrapolate that. It's a fool's errand to think like, oh, just double that, and you've got a full season. But you know, if you look at the pace, it was a 30 home run, you know, 100 RBI pace, and he was hitting the living crap out of the ball. So I, I really like Eloy. Uh, I think he's a guy that um, that people should be interested in um, in adding. I think if they, especially if they get him out of the outfield, if they come across and say, "Look, this guy's just going to DH," I'm in. Yeah, 100. percent And you touched on a couple of the things that's really impressive versus lefties and righties hit a 293 average versus righties this year, a 300 average versus lefties. And you said pre-All-Star break just kind of looked awful, 197 batting average. But the second half of the season, post-All-Star break in 226 at-bats, had a 323 batting average. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he looked like the real deal. And like you said, on, on trying to buy now, Eloy Jimenez is going to DH. Is it crazy to say he could have a career year next season because he's not going to have to play the field? And that that is going to actually going to help him stay healthy to put up career numbers. I think he's one of those players in dynasty leagues. I'm definitely trying to buy him, like you said. And in redraft leagues, I think he's going to be a steal at his ADP. So, as Doc is rudely pops in in the middle of my sentence. <laughs> Notice I uh, didn't say anything. I just waved. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I like us closer together. We'll be closer together. Our guy, our guy DTF says Andrew Vaughn breakout. Is, yeah. is he one of the, is he one of your guys that you're going to talk about, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love him. And I think he, he's another guy, 
You know, I, I don't know how much you guys know about Vaughn, but, you know, he's uh, he only had 205 career minor league at-bats before he came to the major leagues. And they kind of put him in trial by fire. They, ne- they needed some help. Um, they wanted to see what he could do. And this year is a bit of a mixed bag. But there's a couple of things there that I think are really important to point out. Um, he's kind of learning on the fly. And he even in, in that situation, he had 17 home runs, 76 RBIs. Hit 271 WRC plus, which is I, I don't know if you guys like that statistic anymore. I I still find it to be something that's useful for my thinking. Was 113. Um, I think the thing that really gets me on him is that the power potential is there. And this is a guy that when the Sox drafted him was considered to be the most ready hitter in in the draft. They took him with the third pick overall. There's a lot of Jeff, Jeff Bagwell comps here, uh, more, more based on size, I think, you know, uh, similar build. Uh, Vaughn is fairly slight. He's not a really big guy. But again, here's the thing. The White Sox are famous the last few years for playing guys out of position. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to let Jose Abreu walk. I think that is the right move. And I think that they're going to put Vaughn at first base and just leave him alone. And I, and I think that that's what they should do. Um, it's time to just see what you have there. Putting him in the outfield is a fool's errand. Um, they have all these DH types that play the outfield, and I should just burn their gloves. I mean, they they shouldn't even allow them to have a glove coming to the field. <laughs> um, Vaughn has no, he tries hard. He's got no business playing in the outfield. Um, so if he plays first base and Eloy's at DH, and they let Abreu walk, which I think is what they're going to do, um, I think that Vaughn could be a top fifteen first baseman this year, and I think he's going to go very uh, under the radar just because of the fact that people who aren't following what's going on with the White Sox might not think that he's more than a bit player or that he's on a platoon. I don't see that being the case. There have been some people here who have said that he and Sheets will be in a platoon. I don't buy that. I think Vaughn's the first baseman next year, full, full bore. Now, Doc, I should say Mike Carter because there's two Docs here. <laughs> uh, Three Doctors. Three Doctors, that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I thought I read a report, and I think I brought this up on the show a few weeks ago, that the White Sox hitting coach, I forget the name, I know their pitching coach, Ethan Katz, but their hitting coach had changed the entire approach of the team to where he wanted them to have a contact-oriented approach, which cut down the power of every player on that team. Did Correct. Any, I don't think any White Sox player hit 20 home runs last year. No, right? Vaughn, Vaughn was the leader with 17. Yeah, yeah so... It, could that be also a sign that maybe there could be more power coming next year? Yes. With the you fact know, that there, there's no coaches coming back besides Ethan Katz? Well, it's not, that's a really interesting point, David, because um, what what really was the scuttlebutt in September when there was a lot of the finger pointing of going that was going on was that Tony LaRusso was the one who wanted the contact approach and told the boys that he did not want them swinging for the fences but was wanting the that doubles look and in, in, in moving guys station to station. However, the team is not built for that. Mm-hmm. Menachino was the batting coach for those guys when they were in the minor leagues. And so he favored the power approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they kind of scuttled that based on LaRusso's, you know, hatred of analytics and also hatred of intelligent baseball. Apparently all of a sudden, um, they abandoned that, that tactic. And, you know, the other thing is too, it's hard to say because they had so many injuries this year. You know, Tim Anderson played 79 games. Eloy played 84. Robert played less than 100. I mean, they were just decimated by um, really, to me, and I, this will probably be an unpopular take, I don't think they were in shape. I don't think those guys are ready mm-hmm. to play. You see them stretching before the game. It looks like a bunch of old men like me stretching for a softball league. I mean, these guys are fine-tuned athletes, six foot three, 240-pound 
monster athletes that never looked like they were ready to play. You know, I don't know. Yeah, a very lost season. I think like you said, hopeful things are ahead with a new manager, youthful manager, and and a change in approach is needed. And they also have Lennon Sosa at second base that will come up through the system and uh and potentially be an impact back down on the farm. I like the way you think, but I don't think that that's what they're thinking. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what they're going to do. If if I can't say what I'm thinking about Lurie Garcia because it would we'd all probably get banned from Twitter quickly <laughs> uh, with Elon Musk now in charge. But That's right. I really um, don't think that they're going to go into a season with this Josh Harrison, Lurie Garcia, Sosa situation at second base. Uh, I think I could see them doing an upgrade. Uh, you know, and when I say upgrade, I don't mean like you know Kettle Marte or something like that. I'm talking like Colton Wong would fit perfectly for them. I mean, mm-hmm. they need defense. Uh, he's a, he's pretty good with the stick. He can run. I, I think he's the kind of guy that fits in really nicely there. I don't know if that's what they'll do, but they've got to solve that problem at second base. And Sosa um, looked overmatched in his uh, few at-bats. He had, a, he had a home run early on, but then really didn't look like he was too ready to go. Uh, so maybe he needs a little bit more seasoning. That's right. If Colton is Wong, I don't want to be right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marty Party, let's talk about your Detroit Tigers here. Let's, let's right. give us a guy that we can – talk about here maybe they won't all be bad today no you know i'm gonna start off with our uh with with someone i actually am more optimistic about that's riley green you know outfielder out of the 22 year old out of florida drafted out of high school um you know he's either the number one or the number two prospect coming into the tiger system in 2022 and i mean he was a lot better than spencer torkelson so I mean that's there there's a little bit of optimism there but uh in 418 plate appearances he batted uh 253 only five home runs uh 42 RBIs he only had one stolen base and it's caught four times so I uh, extrapolating that and moving forward I expect him to get closer to the the 10 um 10 stolen bases 15 home runs uh the Tigers just in general um even though in 2021 they were seventh overall in stolen bases they were uh with third from last last year. So I look hmm. at stolen bases as a mix of speed, but also team philosophy. So just overall, the Tigers were not running. So I expect Green to be able to do a little bit better than that. Um, I still see him as an above average major leaguer. You know, like I said, 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases. I think getting him batting around 270 is still maybe 280, you know, if he's doing really well. Uh, the at-bats are going to be there. He was locked in as their leadoff hitter last year. And then looking, um, you know, just kind of down our list here. Uh, right now, he's a better roto player. Um, hmm. Looking at his, his K percentage was in the 10th percentile. So he was striking out way too much. Uh, walk, his walking uh, base on ball, uh, 55th percentile. So nothing too crazy there. But what I like is his max exit velocity was in the 82nd percentile. So yeah, sneaky power nice. there. Sneaky power, I think, moving forward. Um, if I am competing next year in a dynasty, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell him. I think his best years are two, three years away when he actually grows into his body. You know, he's only 22 years old. So I think he's going to hit his peak, you know, 25, 26, 27. So if you have the opportunity to move him, he had a good enough year where I think he still has a bunch of value. Um, and if I'm rebuilding, I'm holding on to him. You know, I don't think there's really too, there's really a reason to, to get rid of him. I don't see who you'd be able to get, you know, unless you're trying to get for someone even younger than that, but hold on to him. And my fun, the fun part of this, a trade equivalent if you're looking for a pitcher. So let's say if you have Riley Green and you're looking to win now uh, for next year and you want to move him for a pitcher, I think you could get a little Nestor Cortez. 
I think that's possible. I think that would be a, a good trade for uh, for both teams. And if you're looking for a younger pitcher uh, with a bright future, I think Nick Lodolo is still in that window where you could he will help you compete next year. And overall, I mean, he's still young too. So that's who I would look to do. But um, man, I'm I'm very interested to see how next year will will go for him and the Tigers just in general because they have to redo everything that happened last year. We had high expectations. Everyone who came up didn't do as well as we thought. Pitching, hitting, everything. So, um, but for a dynasty, I think his arrow is still up, even if he's not going to be, you know, a 300 hitter hitting 25 home runs. Do you think that's eventually what he could be, though, Marty? I think that would be best, best case scenario. I think maybe, like, like I said, 26, 27, 28, if we can find a, um, find a good hitting coach, you know, someone that's going to get, get the best out of these guys. Um, but, I don't ever see him getting over 25 home runs. I think he's more of a contact hitter, especially in Comerica Park. What I'm, what I really want to see though is him get to those double digit stolen bases. So he can be that 15, 20 guy, 10 stolen bases, batting 280, top of a lineup, getting you close to 90 runs. I think that's where you're going to see the RBIs and the, the home runs. Maybe a, they're, they're a while. They're, they're a long ways away. Maybe two, three years. Interesting. Uh, Jasper says, uh, I was watching the full tilt, almost forgot to get my dynasty or triple play baseball fix. Evening, my friend. Welcome into the show. And he's, uh, yeah, we got Mike in the house tonight. So a fellow White Sox. I forgot that he's a White Sox fan too. Oh yeah. So you got a boy, Jasper. I like it. More, I think Riley Green is probably the biggest dynasty asset in terms of the major league talent. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, Spencer, I mean, we'll talk about some other players soon, but Spencer <laughs> Torkelson's value is in the toilet. Facts. All the pitchers, Matt Manning and uh, Casey Mize, Mize yeah. and Tariq Skubal, it's like their Skubal, values are. They, I'll go into him later, but his, his arrow is overall up, especially after last year. And I'll, I'll break that down why. But yeah, I mean, Riley Green, there's still, he, he showed the ability to make contact and, you know, he didn't come out firing out of the gates, and, but not everyone's Juan Soto, you know. That's right. Dr. Doom, Doom Doctor, how are you? How dare you mention that imposter in front of me? You know he stole my whole thing. <laughs> I'd say Art's a virgin, but he has kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, Doggo, I, I don't, how do you even say anything after that? <laughs> So I have the Kansas City Royals, and uh, after uh, after having the Angels last week, I feel like there are just too many people to even start here. Almost, um, I have three or four options of guys. Why don't you say the one I want you to say? Okay, well, I'm going to say that Bobby Witt is not as interesting and fun to talk about fair, as a lot of them, that's because fair. Bobby Witt is. I think a first round, first or second round talent for the next five or six seasons at least. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a keeper if you're contending. He's a keeper if you're rebuilding. I think you better get a bag if you are going to trade him. That's my thought on him. I think he's a first round talent. Um, but they have a lot of other guys to talk about. So I want to talk about MJ Melendez, mm-hmm. who I think oh, yeah, is Melendez. who I think is another very interesting young dynasty prospect. He's only going to be 24 on opening day. And one thing that I think is really underrated about what MJ Melendez did as a 23-year-old rookie in 2022 was that he's a really bad catcher trying to become a major league catcher. He's never played the outfield. 
trying to become an outfielder. And he's 23, and he had a 99 WRC+. It is really hard to be an average major league hitter when you're young and trying to learn, trying to be in the field. Because with Melendez playing the outfield, actually, that allows them to play Sal Perez, Vinny Pascantino, and Nick Prado at all at the same time. So, interestingly, I think Melendez's dynasty outlook is going to change. I don't know if he'll be a catcher for very long. I think maybe in a couple seasons. A comp I have for him, interestingly enough, it might be a lazy comp, is Kyle Schwarber. I think that Melendez is going to end up a you know slightly below average outfielder and with a lot of pop in his bat. Um but there's growing pains to get to that. And Schwarber experienced some um Melendez I think, you know, it's gonna be a transition year for him because he's got to become an outfielder. But like I said, his pop is there, his power is there. The batting average I don't think is ever going to be too high. But I think that he's a solid dynasty asset. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, right now he's inflated because he's a catcher. In a few years, he'll be, uh, you know, a power outfield bat, I think. That's fair. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that in 2021 led all of the minor leagues in home runs uh, where he had 41. So he has that type of pop in his bat. And I, I know we talked about this on another show before, but it's very interesting because he's a left-handed batter. And last season, he hit 295 against lefties and hit 193 against right-handed pitching, which usually that's reverse. Mm-hmm. So you would have to think that there could be some positive regression coming against right-handers too. And if that's the case, he could be in for a nice sneaky season and he's still qualified as a catcher next season. Um, yeah. And I, I think it depends on where you play, but like, let's say he plays 10 games at catcher that could right. qualify him for the following season. Um, now the only reason I, I personally think he still might stick at catcher longer term is I think they're moving Sal Perez more away from catcher as mm-hmm. he's starting to get older. And that's part where I'm like, maybe he will get, you know, even if he shares it with another catcher in the Royal system, I don't, I can't see them moving both of them completely off catcher. So that part still gives they, me excitement. Um, I was gonna say, do you think they're getting rid of Salvi? Like, do you see a trade in there? I, I don't know how long he's 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 on the the roster for another two seasons. I think. Um, um, I I do think that they might have another catcher that they actually have on the roster. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they'll be carrying you know three catchers with Melendez being one of them for next year, just because Melendez was in the one percentile of pitch framing last year. Yeah. Um, he was the worst catcher in defensive run saves for any catcher who, who, who caught at least 500 innings pitched. I mean, I mean, it's very hard to be a major league catcher. And, mm-hmm. you know, he could be... Just ask Monty Grandal. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, it's interesting. I, I forgot to look up where he's been going early in drafts. Actually, I'll look it up for you. Did you know that? Did you compare him to Schwarber because Schwarber just hit a home run? LC. I compared him to Schwarber because Schwarber came up as a catcher with a really good power um, and and outlook in his profile, but didn't really profile as a good catcher and didn't really profile anywhere else very well either. So for me, 
it was it was more that that they were both catchers, you know, hit first catchers who who didn't play a good catcher, and um, and the batting average being so similar this season, like I said, it, it might be a lazy comp, but I, I don't think it's totally off base. No, I don't think it's lazy at all. You know, I don't think it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Drew Waters is still there, like DTF mentions. See, their outfielders, obviously, Ben Attendee's now gone. Uh, yeah. Michael A. Taylor, I don't know if he's still signed there. But they, they kind of, I mean, Kyle Isbell, kind of, he's, I feel like at this point, kind of like a fourth outfielder. I don't, he doesn't get everyday playing time for them. They've uh, never given him a chance. Yeah. It's very frustrating because he's, he's one of my favorite late round targets every year. I love him. I think he's a double digit stolen base guy waiting yeah. to happen and nobody gives him a shot. So it will be interesting to see how their their outfield uh, stuff plays out. Um, just for the your question, is interesting too. Like of a late, as like another guy who, if you're rebuilding, you want to keep hold on to him because he looks like he's going to be getting at bats next season. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, your question was MJ Melendez. Where is he going in drafts right now? Mm-hmm. In a month of drafts on the NFBC, which is eleven, he is going around pick one fifteen. Wow! So really? What so catchers are going around him? Uh, let me sort it by catchers really quickly. Tyler yeah. Stevenson, another twelve round, another uh, another twelve picks later. Um, so right really now it's kind of, of yeah, it goes JT Will Smith, Dalshin Varsho, Salvador Perez, Adley Rushman, Wilson Contreras, Alejandro Kirk. MJ Melendez is the eighth catcher off the board, and Alejandro Kirk goes like right in front of him, and then there's like a twenty five pick gap before Stevenson, and then Wilson, William Contreras, Sean Murphy. And so on. Yeah, that feels like a drop-off point right there, right after Melendez. That's probably why, like, yeah, it's yeah. get him as your like it's that eighth catcher right now. It's where it's kind of standing. There's a, an eight, and then it falls off there. Um, interesting. I will be interested to see how that kind of goes and how that the ADP plays out. And the White Sox need to uh, pick up Alejandro Kirk, Mike. Apparently, like, they need to get a. I think if they're trading, if they're if they're trading any catcher, it's, I think Kirk's the one they're not trading. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the Sox do there. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I they Grandal still got big money on that contract, and I think if they were willing to eat some of it, they could probably move him. Somebody might be willing to take a chance on it. However, then they only have Sebi Zavala, who you know I'd rather have Jack catch than Sebi Zavala, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> So I, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do there. I, I think that I could see them going after somebody like a Tucker Barnhart or something like that as a stopover. I, I don't think that they really have a a solution there. They need somebody they can catch. I don't yeah. care about the hitting. They, the catching has been absolutely atrocious for the last three years. Yeah, it, the White Sox need to find a way to plug that. That's why Giolito was bad, and nothing to do with Giolito. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, my guy Dylan Cease is still cooking. You don't need you don't need a catcher at this point. You just throw the backstop. Exactly. Um, Doc, why don't you go ahead and talk about the Cleveland Guardians, who seem like everything is just turning up roses for them. When even when they trade away pieces, looks like they're not going to contend. All of a sudden, they're the best team in that division and had a real shot at, at uh, going to the ALCS this year. It's really crazy about Cleveland because you had talked about it. it. Always seemed like they're rebuilding, and then they perform better than expected. So. Talking about the first guys, Jose Ramirez, and looking at his 2022 stats, 280, 355, 515 triple slash, 29 homers, 126 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, was probably the unanimous number two or three pick going into drafts this year. 30 years old, going to be 31 when the season starts next year. 
signed a five-year extension. So he won't be a free agent until he's 36 in 2029. Now, for his dynasty value, I'm saying he's a hold or you're looking to sell high. So before I dive into the details, are there streakier players that you can think of besides Jose Ramirez? Is 30 old? <laughs> I think 30-31 is where you can see start seeing some drop-off in value, especially when some, when his value comes in roto and stolen bases also. So he's not in his prime anymore. I think he got he has another year or two left in his prime, but then it's okay. going to drop off. Yeah, be careful. Do you, do you think Do you think he's going to steal twenty stolen bases next year? I do with the new stolen base rule. Okay. So I was looking at his stolen bases this year. Twelve stolen bases came in fifty games in May and June, and six stolen bases came in September. So ninety percent of his stolen bases came in fifty three percent of his games. So. Mm. He's streaky with the stolen bases. We've seen 2019 first half, second half, 219, 7 and 35 versus 327, 16 and 48, playing in 42 less games. Uh, 2020, same thing. Um, I just think Jose Ramirez is a better roto player than points, barely, yes. because it's, mm-hmm. but he, I mean, in a, in a points league too, I mean, he has a really good walk rate. Um, doesn't strike out a lot. It's 12%. But I think his value is also going to come high because the third base position is shallow. I think mm-hmm. you guys can agree that this was probably the shallowest position this year outside mm-hmm. a single catcher. So if you're not contending in the next couple of years, I would look to sell him. And a pitcher equivalent, I thought, is Alec Manoa. Would you do that, Trey? If I was selling and I needed a young, I wanted to get a young pitcher, he yeah. would be a good target. Yeah. Rebuild, yeah. Rebuild, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You guys feel like you could get more than Alec Manoa? You could You could get Alec Manoa and some pieces, like maybe like a, a Brendan Donovan um, or like a someone like a Gavin Lux level. But I think the main package, if you're looking for a pitcher equivalent, is Alec Manoa. I feel like he's one of the top position players in baseball. If he has a few more years of prime, being in his prime and you're contending. That, and that's why I was saying hold. Like if you're contending, you definitely want to keep him for the next couple of years. But if you're rebuilding, I think you're somebody, he's somebody that you trade away right now while he's, while his value is the highest because it's not going to get higher and it can only go lower or maintain what it is. Mm-hmm. What about Manoa and Cabrera Hayes? I would do yeah. that. Done. Yeah, done. Is, um, I'm trying to think of another pitcher that I could see. Maybe what about uh no. Like you're, I don't know if you'll get a Strider or McClanahan for them just because of recency bias and the name value. But someone like Manoa, who barring injury, is probably gonna give you two hundred I mean, innings plus. That'd be a tough trade. You're probably if you're trading to a contending team though, you're probably gonna be taking back younger, less established pitchers than Manoa, I think. Like, what about J Ram for Riley Green? I wouldn't do that. That's I think that might be. I mean, according to what Marty feels like the dynasty value of Riley Green is that you wouldn't be getting anything near what you'd expect for two or three years. Yeah. That's not enough for Riley, according to Marty. We need more. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That's good. <laughs> the doom always drives a hard bargain. Was that, was that Dr. Doom talking or was that little cheesecake talking? 
I told Cheesecake, first thing, get rid of you on the show. Next thing, get rid of everyone else. <laughs> then let Dr. Doom, Doom Doctor, host the show. <laughs> get his name right. Or you yeah. won't put a picture of you wearing the Dr. Doom mask on your dating profile. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, I won't. The Twins are the least <laughs> interesting team in this division, and I don't want to spend too long on them. Jose Miranda is the first player I'll talk about in terms of the dynasty context. Five for 53 in his first 14 games once he was promoted to the Twins this year. But after that point, he hit 292 with 14 homers and an 807 OPS and really looked like the guy that was coming into his own. You looked at his minor league numbers, they were just absolutely phenomenal and played all over the diamond uh, in AAA. So he kind of started really shaping into what we were expecting he would be in Minnesota and uh, he, he obviously also has above average ability, um, makes hard contact with the ball. I don't know if he'll ever be a star per se, but I think he's going to be a really solid player and somebody that you could put as a corner infielder and just have him there for years to come and just see someone you just leave in your lineup. He doesn't do anything that's going to hurt you. 15 homers, 66 RBIs, a 268 batting average overall on the season and 444 at bats. He's going to hit over 20 home runs next season if he's healthy. There's no doubt in my mind. He could eventually get to 30 someday, you know, if, if he keeps continuing. I mean, he's got a 42.4% hard hit rate, strike out only 18.8% of the time. And that carried in from his, the minor league strikeout record too, or from his minor league track record with striking out too. It's a guy that can hit 20 plus homers and not strike out a lot. I, I just, he's very steady to me. Uh, and I was trying to figure out pitcher that might be, that type of super steady, still kind of young, and the only Musgrove. one. I think you could get. I think Musgrove is. I would you guys trade Musgrove for Jose Miranda? I feel like you'd want more for Musgrove. No, I was just trying to go off the the super steady, somewhat young label. I feel like you have to go a little bit lower than that, and. There wasn't like anybody that really jumped out at me. What about Zach Wheeler? Zach Wheeler's a little bit older. Would you guys rather let's let's do a name game real quick? So would you rather have <laughs> Would you rather have Jose Miranda or would you rather have Shane Bieber? Shane Bieber. 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 Would you rather have Jose Miranda or would you rather have Tristan McKenzie? Hmm. McKenzie. Miranda. Real quick, are we rebuilding or are we contending? Point. You are. Let's. That's a good question. Let's say. How about we're contending for the next three years? Let's say you have Miranda and you're looking to upgrade at a pitcher because you're trying to contend. Yeah, I definitely want Bieber. And then who was the second one? McKenzie. Uh, Tristan McKenzie. Pick Miranda. I'd rather have Miranda. Interesting. Joe Ryan, Varland, and Richardson are all targets. Yeah, so I, I didn't touch on the second two because they didn't have really as much major league experience. Joe Ryan was somebody that's in the honorable mentions for the Twins. Uh, they do have a lot of young guys that are interesting here, but not a lot of them have made the major leagues yet. So they'll be a team that's hopefully going to start putting pieces together. What about um, Alex Bohm or Miranda moving forward? Hmm. I would take Miranda. I'd take Bohm. I think I would take Bohm too. Doom Doctor. Yeah. What do we got? 
the doom doctor's answer is always correct, <laughs> and my answer is boom. <laughs> so uh, I think Andrew Murphy DM me. He said, "Boom, boom, boom." It should be his name. That's right. I, I got you. I got you. Boom, boom, boom. That's awesome. So, um, okay, let's go back to you, Doc. I know you, you already touched on two players. Give me one more White Sox player. Yeah, we'll one one guy that I'm really interested in who has not made his debut yet is Oscar Colas, who I think will probably be playing right field before too long for the White Sox next year. Uh, power is his calling card, but I know mm-hmm. that we, I'm going outside the parameters of what we yeah, talked about. Um, I, you know, he's 24 across three levels last year, 23 home runs. I, I, I think he's... He's that left-handed power stick that the White Sox have been looking at for a long time. There's a lot of people around here, the, the meatballs, I call them, who are like, well, just sign Michael Conforto. Well, how about not? So, you know, Colas probably will end up being the guy at some point uh, in right field. Uh, obviously, you know, the Sox have a lot of young talent. They got some guys that are pretty interesting. I mean, I, we haven't even talked about Luis Robert, and I think he's probably the most physically talented guy on their roster. Uh, again, another guy who had, um, you know, a ton of injuries last year. He played 98 games. He played hurt though. And I got to give him a lot of credit for that. He had a wrist issue, uh, that plagued him the whole second half of the season. He played through it. Um, his, his power was severely affected. He only had 12 home runs last year. Um, so lack of power is kind of concerning, but I think he's a guy that has in any format a top 10 outfielder upside if, he can stay healthy. Um, and I think that they were allowing him to, um, you, you know, play injured, which is another thing that with Larusa. I mean, he's got these guys that twist ankles and can't play for three weeks. And they got a guy that's got, you know, playing with one hand who's the franchise. And they kept running him out there for reasons I don't fully understand. I guess, I guess if your choice is Adam Engel, you might want to just have a one handed, you know, Luis Robert out there, but uh, I think he is a 30-30 type of guy if he can get back and be healthy. I think actually having good outfielders around him would probably lighten the burden of what he has to do in the outfield when he's out there. Uh, he has to get everything. They've got, they've got nobody else out there that can really help. And so um, I really like, I think Colas will be a, a guy to watch in spring training. I think with a good spring training, he could actually make the team, depending on what they do free agent-wise. I don't see them spending a ton of money. Um, you know, the biggest contract the White Sox have given out, drum roll. Yes, Monty Grandal. <laughs> that, how'd that work out for you? You know, um, so I don't see them really going out and doing that. I, I think that they've got enough there that they look at it and say, you know, the Indians walked through the door this year and um, had a great opportunity. They played great down the stretch. They got a lot of young, really good guys there. But the White Sox got a lot of young, good guys, too, that were really banged up this year. I don't think there's a way... I don't think there's any way that they that they sell off players or that they do something that's really drastically different. Not given this management team, they got a new manager that's uh, you know uh, Pedro Griffal. We talked a little bit about him before, but you know he's Cuban. Uh, he's from uh, Florida. I think you know he might be a guy that can get on the same page with these guys and push them a little bit. I hope that that's what he'll do. Um, but but I think Robert is. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never really seen a guy in a White Sox uniform that has that type of physical talent. I mean, it's really, it's sort of frightening to watch. I mean, he's just, he's really a freak of nature, you know. So, do you think Oscar Colas could, right out of spring training, he'll get one of the outfield jobs for the White Sox and could be in the running for a Rookie of the Year type of of year for your fantasy team? And obviously, that would make his dynasty value to shoot through the roof. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that could very well happen, right? This is a guy who played across three leagues last year, had not played a lot of organized baseball. You know, he, up until 2019, he had never had more than 246 at-bats in any league that he'd been in, foreign or otherwise. Last year, if you roll up all of the stats from, you know, high A all the way to triple A, um, he hit 314, 23 home runs, 79 RBIs, not a big stolen base threat. He had three stolen bases. 120 strikeouts and 526 plate appearances, 481, which were at, were, uh, at, ba- counted at bats, but 314, 524 slug, 895 OPS. Like, you know, uh, as a, as a 23 year old guy who hasn't played very much, um, I, I think that, uh, he's a potential stud and, um, they need, they, God knows they need a left handed bat. They haven't had one in a long time. Um, I think they're going to give them every opportunity to win that job. Um, I, I think that they're going to try to move sheets or somebody, you know, guys like that to try to get some, um, extra parts or something that they can get. I, he's, he's got power, but he's got no position. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, especially if they move Eloy to DH, which is what I think they're going to do and Vaughn to first, sheets really doesn't have a spot. Um, he cannot play right field. Um, I'd, I'd rather have any of my boys on my baseball team play right field than Gavin Sheets. And you, yeah, like- you guys think, you guys think I'm being crazy, but I've got kids that can go get it, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I think Gavin Sheets is pretty much util only in a lot of fantasy leagues, isn't he? That's how bad of a fielder he is. Yeah, it was really bad. I mean, every game was an adventure. And then in in the best outfield that they could put out there was when they had Pollock and Engel out there with Robert, and it still wasn't very good, you know? Um, they need to do some improving there. But, yeah, I, I, I think the hype around Colas really is, is that they, I think that they do expect him to um, maybe not break camp, but I think thereafter, pretty quickly, he could be on the roster if he doesn't yeah. if he doesn't have a good spring. DTF has been driving the Colas after. I think he's put that in the chat many times. So I, I know he's definitely on board with that. And uh, Andrew says, just because I love the name, I think uh, Jake Berger could develop for the White Sox next season. Well, Mancato's on watch, right? I mean, I, I don't think they're going to put yeah. up with too much more BS from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's making music videos in the off season and. Doing all this other crazy stuff and, and not his focus is just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of White Sox fans around here would really like to see Mankata be gone and play Berger at third. Eh. Mankata's a really good defensive third baseman. I, I, he, he hasn't hit the way that anybody thought he was going to, but he's got great instincts over there at third base. And I, I, I like, I love Berger. I love what he brings, but he too, like, I don't know if you can have him play third base every day. Like I, you know, the guy that's playing on two wrecked Achilles tendons that could go again at any time. Like I, I just don't know that he can play every day anywhere. Um, there have been some wackos around here who will say, "Oh, just put Berger at second. <laughs> no, let's not. You know, let's let maybe let's not do that. Um, Mancata was a second baseman at one point in the Red Sox system, but they they really don't want to move him off a of third. He's a he's a really good third baseman. I have I'll give credit where it's due on that. Yeah, a lot of good White Sox, interesting storylines going into the year. Um, and we just need to see how it all plays out. I, I know they're ready to do for a bounce back season. Marty, let's finish up the Tigers. Give us your last two Tigers players you're interested to talk about for Dynasty and what we should do with them. All right, we'll start with the heartbreaker. Spencer Torkelson, 23-year-old, drafted number one overall from ASU. You know, we know we, we know how his year went. He was absolutely brutal. Um, what he, he batted 203 with a 285 OBP. And he's actually, he, his walk percentage is in the 63rd percentile. And when you actually watch him, he, he knows the strike zone pretty well. So I think he's a better points league player right now 
mm-hmm. overall. Uh, but the K percentage is in the 27th percentile, striking out way too much. And this is what scares me. This is an actual quote from him just about a month ago about how he's going to approach the offseason. Here we go. There won't be any huge mechanical changes other than just cleaning stuff up. My swing works. At this point, it's all approach and just the mental side of the game, I think. I can't. That is one of the scary. You know what? They keep on this trend of Halloween and scary. That's the scariest thing I've read. That is, is, I wish I didn't take my soundboard away. That is there, horrifying. There won't be any huge mechanical changes. Well, I'm telling, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a scout, but I'm telling you right now, there needs to be some mechanical changes. He needs to go back to the drawing board, uh, but he's going to meet up with his um, his hitting coach that he uh, that where he found a swing at ASU. He's gonna he's gonna talk to him over the offseason and try to work it out. But he's not he's not seeking any extra um, guidance or anything like that. So with how bad his year was last year, and basing off that quote. Um, I'm not very optimistic for next year. I think um, a trade equivalent, if you're looking for a pitcher, um, I think uh, like a Clayton Kershaw. You know, I think that would be a, a good trade because both both see both might be done next year <laughs> as far as their yeah. career. <laughs> so you know, if you're looking to rebuild, you know, maybe you know get Torkelson. Um, but I mean, I'm just not. I watched him play almost every single time. Um, all his at bats, and there's nothing I really saw. Um, if you're looking to buy him, he could not be any cheaper. So if you're a little more optimistic than I am, then I, there's a there's a market for him. But um, yeah, based was, off that, yeah. It was interesting. Was last year um, I had an opportunity to see him in the Arizona Fall League when I was down there for first pitch Arizona. It was my first time down there, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that know way more about this stuff than I do. I was watching and I and I saw some of his swinging, and a, a lot of people down there just kept saying he's really stiff, like he mm-hmm. he's not like. From the, I was going to say from the waist down, he's really stiff. Um, hello, hello. <laughs> um, but that's but that's what a lot of people were saying was that he he just didn't really show a lot of good movement. I mean, he hit the crap out of the ball the night I was there. I think he had three hits the night I was there. But um, there were a lot of people that were skeptical. Yeah, yeah. His max max exit velocity was in the seventy eighth percentile, so it's not like he was you know he got a hold of one and he could really flash you know his potential power. But I mean, everyone thought he'd be a three hundred hitter. Coming, you know, right out of, um, right out of the, the minors, you know, to just fitting right in. But so far, he's just been a, a double A darling and nothing else than that. Where do you uh, think quickly, he's going in drafts? For, I have his, a- I have his ADP right here. Where 700? He- <laughs> 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 Should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what is it? What's your realistic guess? Uh, for, so redraft for next year? Yeah. And probably, Somewhere around 300, probably. That's a good guess. He's 297. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people are optimistic. It's just all based on what he's done in the past and his, you know, his prospect pedigree, which a lot of people rely on. Um, so I'm, now I'm looking at it myself. Who's, who's Marty, around? Marty's, there? Marty's sandbagging because we're in Glarf together. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to totally, he's going to jump up and, he's going to jump up and grab Torkelson before anybody else does. Dude, if I grab Torkelson, I need somebody to carry me out of there. I don't know. That, that can't happen. Um, would you rather have Torkelson or Matt Mervis? Ooh, Mervis. Oh, yeah. man. For next year or long term? How about both? Next year and long term. I have Torkelson. I'd rather have Luke Voigt for next year. I see he's taking like 20 picks later. Yeah. I'll take Matt Mervis. I think Torkelson is done. I will not have any Torkelson anywhere. Wow. 
Wow. One year, guys. And one year. Baby wavy's over. I'm I'm done with him. <laughs> I'm done with one him. One year. I, I mean wow. I hope he gets it together, but he looked awful last year. And when you read that he's quote lost. to me, Marty, about that he's not changing anything, combined yeah. with the fact that Tigers have not seemed to develop pitching and hitting very well. Um, yeah. What am I supposed to be optimistic about? What's the track record of a prospect in Detroit system doing? He went well out of his way year? to saying he's not going to do anything extra. He won't be seeking extra guidance. He will just be going back to the drawing board. But enough on Torkelson. It's been it's been brutal just watching him over the last six months. Let's go to Tariq Skubal, who was um, actually a, a breath of fresh air. Um, the 25 year old lefty out of Seattle University. He has three more years of arbitration, so he'll be um, he'll be with us till 2027, barring a trade. So I like that he's in the Comerica Park. Uh, really quickly, um, he decreased his forcing usage from 42.8 in 2021 all the way down to 26%. And then he increased the slider. So um, that's amazing uh, because he had a 306 XBA against his forcing uh, in, in 2021. So his number, the pitch he was throwing the most, hitters were hitting, like they should be hitting 300 off of it. So finally, the uh, Chris Federer, uh, our pitching coach, worked with him. He's throwing a slider more than uh, more now than ever. Now, what I would like to see him do for next year is throw his changeup more. Um, his changeup mm-hmm. had a 186 XBA last year, but he only threw his changeup 14% of the time. So hopefully he'll continue to work on that. Uh, but overall, I mean, he's what he, I'll just go down his XERA over his first three seasons. So XERA his first year as a rookie, and he didn't pitch that much, 4.48. In 2021, his X ERA was 5.58. 2022, he got it down from 5.58 to 3.34. So he's trending in the right direction. His walks are down. Um, his K percentage is kept at a, it's at 24.5. So that's serviceable. It's in the 63rd percentile. So out of all the, the Mises, the Mannings, everybody, Scooble is by far the best pitcher that's came out of there. So um, I would hold him if you're looking to contend. And if you're looking to rebuild, I would still hold him. He's 25 years old. So it was a solid pitcher. Minus his injury a bit. Why uh better yep. season than previous. So definitely looked like the best one right now out of those big three pitchers they were bringing mm-hmm. up there. Let's go to the Doom Doctor and bring us your last couple Royals players you want to talk about for tonight's show. I would like to sell Martin to tell his friend Spencer to come to my Doom Lab. I will shoot him with so much <laughs> genetic enhancements that the man will be a baseball god. Please do. Please, uh, Vinny Pasquantino is the next guy <laughs> I want to talk about. What a transition. The big Italian breakfast. You know, there. I saw some people calling him the Italian nightmare. There was the Italian breakfast. I think that we need to go back to the days of like the 1950s because with a name like Vinny Pasquantino, he needs like, you know, World War II singers singing a, a, a doo-wop song about him. Vroom, vroom, Vinny gonna hit it to right field. Da, 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 da. You know, something like that. So vroom, vroom, Vinny is my other. We are boom, boom, boom and vroom, vroom, Vinny. Um, so, Vinny, what are we looking for here? I think Vinny, he's currently going 94th in redraft league. So he's, he's already a top 100 pick. He hit 295 last season. Interestingly, Vinny was down with a shoulder injury for about two weeks, the end of August, beginning of September last season, came back, 
power stroke was kind of down. Shoulder injuries often do that. What was really encouraging about Vinny is that his fly ball percentage was down from 40 to 36. His power dropped from about four home runs per 100 at-bats to about two home runs per 100 at-bats. But Vinny hit 361 the rest of the season after returning from injury, after that shoulder injury. So it's clear that he adjusted uh, his approach to, to his new circumstances. I think that his shoulder will probably be fully recovered next year. Um, and you could start to see that power tick back up, but the batting average is there. The walk rate is elite. The one thing I'll say is I, I think it's possible because he's such a, he's going to maintain such a good batting average. I don't think he's going to be tapping into like 40 home run power, but because of that, that good batting average, you are going to be looking at solid power and solid, good, solid batting average. And he's a fantastic points league player because he walks as much as he strikes out. Um, I also think he's a very good roto player because of the high walk rate and, and, and good batting average leading to good counting stats and good batting average. And he's going to give you good power. It's not going to, I don't think he's going to have elite home run power for a first baseman next season, but, um, I do think that he's going to be giving you at least that serviceable 20 to 30 home runs next year. I really like where he's going in the draft 94th. I thought I'd, you know, as far as like a future outlook for a dynasty, Vinny's a keeper. He's a he's a long term keeper. He's only going to be twenty four on opening day, and he is also a short term um, keeper. The next two guys after him, next two first basemen, Nate Lowe and C.J. Crone. I thought those are interesting. That's an interesting question. You like you like Vroom Vroom Vinny, or do you like C.J. Crone or Nate Lowe? I like Vinny. And mostly because I had him during my, the mm-hmm. fantasy playoffs, and he went off and won the championship. So God bless you, Vinny. Give me Vinny P, baby, Vinny, Vinny. Yeah, Vinny's a you know I I I think there's an argument for low. I, Doc was probably going to pick low. Is that your that's your? No, I go Vinny. You go Vinny over low. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a it's a it's a good comp. Uh, Vinny still has some growth to show. Low obviously was fantastic. Um, but uh, I think he's a fantastic long-term keeper. If I was going to be trading Vinny, I'd be looking at someone. Um, I'd be looking at a, at a young pitcher who who showed some promise. Because um, he's such a good prospect, I think I really think that Vinny is going to be a good major league hitter for his career. I think that I think that he's going to be a solid top 100 pick in in in, in redraft leagues. And that, that makes him a dynasty keeper in, in most, mm-hmm. most formats. Um, I also wanted to talk about Brady Singer. I'll be real quick about Singer. Really liked what I saw from him this season. Uh, there was a great article, um, uh, on Fangrass where he was quoted as saying that he started to throw his sinker like he had been throwing it in college again mm-hmm. and he was experiencing better results. And if you look at the results, his walks went down by 1.7 walks per nine from 2021 to 2022, which is basically like a, um, a U Darvish. He like dropped a U, U Darvish from 21 to 22 in his walks per nine, which really helped. His whip went down to a really great 1.14. His case stayed pretty solid. And, and I think that there is another level here. Uh, he's been working on, on a, on a changeup to try and give him another weapon against lefties. 
with continued development of that changeup, I think that there is another level. I think right now he is a, as as I as he is now, he's a pretty good trade chip if you're rebuilding though, because I don't necessarily see a huge ceiling on him. But I think he's a solid middle of your rotation fantasy starter. But I think if you're rebuilding, he's a great trade chip to bring in some younger guys. I like it. Great analysis done uh, by the for the Royals there by Doom Doctor. Doc, I'm going to go to you in a second because I'm going to keep mine really short so we can end on you. Royce Lewis was the next Twins player I was going to talk about. Hit 300 with an 867 OPS, two homers, and 41 plate appearances this year. He was winning people weeks. The the two weeks he pretty much, or I guess like one-ish week, he was around. But uh, the potential is there. Carlos Correa is not coming back. So Royce Lewis is someone, obviously, was the first overall pick in 2017. He's somebody that I'm still very interested in, even though he did tear his ACL again. So uh, just keep an eye on, on Royce Lewis because I think he's being slept on right now and he could potentially help you not just next season, but hopefully he can be helped the rest of his career. And the other player I wanted to talk about was Johan Duran of the Minnesota Twins. He was a, just a straight baller last year. For those Pure filth. That, yeah, I mean... Obviously, he, I think he threw the fastest ever non fastball. He had like a 102 mile an hour sinker or something like that. He had a 186 ERA and an 89 to 16 K to walk ratio in just under 70 innings this season. Um, I do, I've, I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure Jorge Lopez, um, is not signed past this year. And even if he is, he had a 437 ERA when he was with Minnesota compared to a 168 ERA with the, the Orioles. So I think Johan Duran is their best pitcher in the bullpen. So, you know, will that be like the Josh Hader treatment? Josh Hader was earlier on in his career where he kind of came in in the eighth and sometimes would pitch like two innings to get a a two inning save or, you know, or is he going to just pitch the ninth? I don't know yet, but he's somebody I can see his value only going up at this point if he becomes the full time twins closer and becomes their closer for years to come. So I really like Johan Duran. Uh, both of these guys, uh, Royce Lewis, I think if you're right now, if you're rebuilding, he's somebody you could try to buy low on right now while his value is low. And Johan Duran, if, if you're contending, um, this is a guy that I don't think his values fully peaked yet. And you might be able to add him to your team uh, if you're contending and not have to pay as much as well. I got right, Doc, um, I wanted I'm to sorry. say Lo- Lopez is not a free agent until 2024. So. Okay, so he will be back with the team. Did not do as well with the Twins, though, uh, once he got there. So I'm sure Lopez will have the job to start, but it does not mean he'll have the job to end the season. So Duran, long-term, need to make sure you got him. Doc, you go ahead and give us our last two Guardians players, and then we got to get out of here because I don't want to keep the Doc here all night. I don't want to – uh <laughs> we all got stuff to do, so I want to make sure we can – Tyler, go ahead, go ahead, Doc. Okay, so the first guy I'm talking about is Shane Bieber. Um, we look at his 2022 season, 13 and 6, 3-2 ERA, 1.18 whip, 174 Ks, and 185.1 innings. At 27 years old, he actually threw 200 innings, which is really impressive considering he had a shoulder issue that kind of limited him in 2021. I'm going to say the dynasty value is hold, or even if you can buy him, I would. So just a little thing that's alarming is his fastball velocity dip from 92.8 to 91.3. Um, other than that, I really like what I saw with him. He upped his slider usage. He upped his cutter usage. 
And uh, with that slider, or opponents hit 193 against his slider. His curve, they hit 191. His cutter, 239. Has really good home runs, home road splits. So you look, and yes, he's not going to be that high volume strikeout pitcher that he once was, but you don't need velocity to be a good pitcher. And what we've seen is Kyle Hendricks and pitchers like that who are really good with accuracy. And when we were talking about George Kirby last week, and they called him baby Shane Bieber, where if you have really good command, you can get by. And Bieber being 27 years old and kind of the catch-22 argument is he sat out a season with his shoulder issue or three-fourths of his season. That's also less innings that he threw. So I think if you can buy him for cheap, you do. Um, I would offer someone like Corey Seager for him straight up. I'd offer Marcus Simeon for him straight up. I mean, you never know if somebody's panicking. It's never bad to lowball. Maybe somebody wants a two-for-one, and they would accept an Anthony Rizzo and Gavin Lux deal. So never think it's bad to put feelers out there because you never know how players or people are going to value players differently. And then the last one is Emmanuel Classe, 24 years mm-hmm. old, closer, just came off of 42 save season. Before that, he had 24. Um, ERA is in the ones. The expected ERA matches also. If you have him, you're holding him. But I would say even try and buy him if you can, because yes. even if the, even if the Guardians trade him, he's going to be a closer wherever he goes. Top three. Not that not that I not that I read about bullpens or anything. <laughs> no, but I mean, Mike said it best. Like he's young, he has really good velocity. Um, but maybe just because the Guardians aren't a nationally televised or team that's talked about a lot. You know, that maybe the average dynasty player doesn't know how dominant he is. I think there's a lot of people still living in with the ghost of James Karinchak, too. Mm-hmm. Ever since passing, talked him up that one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, those are, I mean, I think we got through a bunch of players tonight. Uh, and, Doc, great job with the Cleveland Guardians there. Fun fact, Josh Winder and Vinny P played high school ball together. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. Uh, now that Andrew coming in with some good facts there. Um, but I want to make sure we get out of here. So, Mike, please plug all that you're doing right now. Tell us a little bit about the fantasy baseball beat for those that are hearing about it for the first time and uh, anything else that you're doing that people should know. Well, I'm I'm breathing and living, which is good. So those are the things that I'm doing currently. But the fantasy baseball beat is uh, is really starting to kind of come together. It's really a, a, a very cool idea. Um, it's me. And Carlos Marcano, who is one of the sharpest people you'll meet in this game that we play together. Um, I think he is incredibly underrated. And I, I wish that more people, I mean, I think it's insane that more people follow me than him. Like he's, he's brilliant, you know, uh, and, and Chris Torres, um, who is like the, the mouth of the South over here, you know, in, in New York. Yeah. He's, uh, he's awesome. Great guy. Uh, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to get fantasy, um, not, I'm sorry, not fantasy trying to get baseball beat writers to come on to the program and give us some insights into the team uh, for next year. So we had Craig Mish on last week. Uh, he was great. Um, we really feel like beat reporters are, are very underutilized in fantasy baseball. They're with the team. We're, we're watching it from afar, but they're there every day and see what's going on. And so he gave us some great insights there. Um, we're going to have Chris Cotillo uh, covering the Red Sox here later this week. And, uh, 
we're just nickel and diamond our way through it all the way and getting really good uh, people to come out of the show and talk with us. And then the last part of the show is we're kind of giving our own twist on what we think is going to happen with some of these teams as well. So um, I could not say no to being on a podcast with those two guys. When I found out they were part of it, I was like, I'll do whatever I have to do to make it happen. Staying up late, drinking coffee, whatever it is I got to do to make it happen, we'll do it. So uh, doing that and you know, still writing at Fantrax, I'll have a piece coming out um, in the next week or so on some uh, relief pitchers to watch next year that could be stepping into uh, advanced roles. Um, and uh, you can find me at MDRC0508, the worst Twitter handle of all time, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm on there every day. If you have uh, any desire to talk to me there, you can. Um, I do like to get uh, messages from people, too. And please, as we go into the holiday season, one last plug, take care of yourselves mm-hmm. mental health-wise. Uh, look out for your brothers and sisters and the people that are around you. It's about to be hard times for a lot of people going into the holidays. And so let's make sure we're all looking out for each other. If anybody out there is listening and ever needs help finding mental health resources, that's what I do for a living. So uh, hit me up. I'm always willing to talk and somebody's always listening and willing to hear. So thank you guys for having me again. I love being on with you guys. Um, it's great. And I will see you on Friday morning. I'll probably be waking your asses up. Uh, I was going to say, there's nothing I can add to what you said beautifully there. I am really looking forward to hanging out. Of course, not with just Marty and Doc, but with you, Mike, because we're all staying in the same place together. Two hey. nights. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a great time. And are shout you, out to you? Chris Cotillo. He answers when people ask him about pitch counts. And then sometimes those people place bets because of said pitch count. Oh, yeah. Sometimes people win because he gives <laughs> the little insider information. Huh. So make sure you tell Chris that Doc from Triple Play Fantasy said thank you. I will pass that along. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. FPAS uh, is coming this week. We might actually, I'm going to talk with the guys because maybe we'll do an episode in FPAS and save it and then release it next week. I think that'd be kind of cool. So maybe we'll, sure. uh, we could maybe get something like that going. Uh, but it's going to be a blast. So uh, until next week, guys, we'll, we'll uh, have something for you. Uh, but until then, for Mike, for Doc, for Marty Party, for the Doom Doctor, <laughs> I'm the many. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.